everyone. You're listening to Real Talk with Josh Dean on Unite Radio. This is my first show on the station. I'm really excited to be bringing it to you. And just before we go on to a really interesting interview with a fantastic local guest, I just wanted to take this opportunity to tell you a little bit more about me and introduce you to the show as well. So my name is Josh. I was born in Hartford. I went to school here. Um, I've worked in our town centre and for the past few years I've been campaigning on issues in our community. When I was 17, I co-founded the non-profit Teen Voice UK to give young people a voice and to make sure that they were able to organise on the issues that matter to them. Um, as part of Teen Voice, I launched a live event in 2018 called Music for Mental Health Awareness, uh, which was about raising awareness of the importance of mental health and well-being. Um, and I've also been involved in local climate action, supporting young people concerned about the climate crisis. I've previously written a column in the Hertfordshire Mercury discussing local issues um, and I co-founded the We Are Hartford campaign, which was to give local people a real say on the Berkshire Green Redevelopment. At the moment, I'm studying politics and international relations at the University of Westminster, but I'm still active in the community. I'm still campaigning on local issues um, and I'm doing whatever I can to support people in East Hearts as we come out of the pandemic as well. So Real Talk is my new show on Unite Radio. Once a month, I'm going to introduce you to one or more of the many inspiring members of our community for an hour-long discussion, getting to know them, finding out about what they do and what drives them to make East Hearts a better place, and hearing what they've got to say about what's happening in our community and out in the world as well. It's going to be interesting, it's going to be light-hearted a lot of the time, it's going to celebrate the many wonderful aspects of East Hearts and the people in it, but we're not going to shy away from discussing the really important issues that we face in our community and beyond as well. So if you do want to find out more about the people making real change in East Hearts, then this is not a show to be missed. Um, if you are a local person, if you think you or someone you know is an interesting and inspiring person who should appear on the show and be interviewed, then get in touch with me because I'd really love to hear from you. So you can email me um, at josh at uniteradio.co.uk. Let's have a chat. Let's get you on the show um, and let's introduce you to the people in our community and you know raise awareness of the work that you're doing as well. I'm really excited to be introducing you to a really good friend of mine today, uh, Councillor Tina Bartwas. Tina was elected at 19 years old as the youngest county councillor on Hertfordshire County Council. She represents Letchworth North. She is a Labour Party councillor. Um, and today we're going to be talking to her about, you know, what made her want to stand, why she chose the Labour Party, um, what challenges young people face in politics and how we can support young people um, to get involved as well. It's a really interesting, informative discussion. I really enjoyed um, interviewing Tina, not just because she's a great friend, but because I'm really excited to be doing these shows on Unite Radio. So I hope you enjoy it. I hope you get in touch if you want to appear on the show in future. And as always, you know, don't forget to get involved on social media at Unite Radio UK. You're going to hear me speaking to Tina. First off, you're going to hear me uh, talking to Tina about how we know each other. So I really hope you enjoy it. Over to you, Tina. Welcome to the show. Hi, Josh. It's really, I'm really excited. A um, little bit nervous, um, but we're, 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 we're going we're gonna to give it a go and see how it goes. So, Tina, tell us about yourself. Tell us um, a little bit about what you do for our listeners. So, my name's Tina Bartwas. As Josh said, I am the youngest ever county councillor on Hertfordshire County Council, elected in May at the age of 19 and I represent the Letchworth North Division. As well as that, I am a trustee at the North Hertfordshire and Stevenage Centre for Voluntary Service, and I'm also a student at Queen Mary in London. Going to uni not too far from me as well. I'm studying at the University of Westminster. Um, it must be really exciting, you know, youngest county councillor um, ever in Hertfordshire, um, you know, you, you've been covered in the local press. Uh, I would imagine it's probably gone national as well. Um, what's it like being, you know, the youngest county councillor, not just a young county councillor, but the youngest? Is it exciting? I think I think it's incredibly exciting and it's incredibly important that we have young people at all levels of government. So part of why I stood was because I wanted to reach out to groups which are traditionally hard to reach um, 
including young people, but also ethnic minorities, members of the LGBTQ plus community, um, disabled people. Um, it's really, really important that we do that and that councils are representative of the communities we are elected to represent. I think it's really interesting. Obviously, you and I have known each other for a little while now, um, probably going back three or four years, actually. So Tina and I met through activism, through campaigning, um, partly through an organisation that I used to run called Teen Voice UK, which was, you know, about giving young people a voice in politics. But I think we really started working together on, you know, the climate action stuff with young people in East Hearts in Hertfordshire uh, campaigning on, you know, the climate crisis. Do you feel that, you know, that kind of activism, those kind of issues are what really sort of encouraged you to get involved and encourage you to stand to represent your community? So I've been passionate about the environment since I was very young. Very early on at school, I was involved in an eco-warrior group, which is, is exactly what you imagine. Um, we identified different species of trees um, and flowers and collected insects and um, did a whole host of things like that. So um, I then went on to school council um, at secondary school where one of my big things was getting rid of plastic in the canteens. Um, and so really that's just continued on. And I do think that the work we did together on climate action mm. uh, was really formative for me because it was my first real experience of lobbying um, those in local government. And at times I thought that was quite a tough job um, to do. And it felt really important for me to be on the other side of it. Um, mm. As you will know, I am... Labour spokesperson for the environment so that's quite a big jump from what we used to do. Yeah um, I remember exactly what you're talking about Tina and I um, sat in a coffee shop I think it was in the day before or the same day um, the East Hearts District Council voted on a climate emergency motion um, and we called all 50 councillors um, to make sure they were going to vote for it and I think we got some we got some interesting responses. Mixed responses. That's, that is how I would put it. Yes. Mixed responses. I Naming no names, I got some very interesting responses. Um, but obviously, you know, these are really important issues. Um, and as you say, you're the spokesperson for the environment for the Labour group on Hertfordshire County Council. What drew you to the Labour Party? Why Labour and not, you know, the Liberal Democrats or the Greens or whoever? I can tell and knowing you, I can tell that you are a progressive. Um, but why the Labour Party? So I very much grew up around Labour values. Um, that was something that was quite deep-rooted in my community as well. And I think that formed a lot of what I then went on to do. Um, but actually, I think the most sort of prominent thing to say here is probably my political inspiration or mm. awakening, if you'd like, um, which was actually... Um, might come as a surprise to listeners, but Ian Duncan Smith. Um, so, I'm very one... interested to hear this story. <laughs> yes, I can tell. Um, so, when I was ten, Ian Duncan Smith had an idea: the bedroom tax, um, and that was my first real experience of right. Okay, this is a policy, and this is the direct impact. And at the time, I was a young carer and I was growing in responsibility for household finances and obviously the bedroom tax meant that my family took quite a big hit um, and I found that very difficult so that kind of sprung me into action um, but I also think so later on I was involved with a lot of charity work I've volunteered for a pop-up shop raising money for the homeless I've done a whole host of things in the charity sector and that kind of that showed me the real I think lack of prioritization and how many services have moved from local government to the charity sector 
and how important that investment is, but it's clearly lacking. Just going back briefly, obviously you mentioned being a young carer and I, I can you know, imagine how difficult that is when you know, so many services are being you know, shifted from responsibility of local government through to you know, charities um, and being outsourced as well. Do, would you say that was formative as well? You know, does, does that, would you say that sort of shaped you politically? I think that my background has shaped me in so many ways. I mean, part of the reason that I wanted to stand for the county council in particular is the remit of the county council. So we're looking at things like free school meals and free bus passes. And that really enabled me to get a good education and to get qualifications um, that so I'm the first in my family to have any qualifications at all. And that obviously has, you know, a significance, you know, first to have these kinds of qualifications, first to go on to become a counsellor and do all these things. And I imagine you're very proud of that as well. I, I am very proud of it. And I've no doubt that I'm doing well, but that doesn't mean that there aren't real moments of imposter syndrome or real difficulties, whether that's sort of party politics or how you're perceived as a councillor. Mm. I'm going to jump on your point about party politics there first. Um, and I'm going to be quite mean and put you on the spot and say, you know, what do you think about where the Labour Party is today? What do you think about Keir Starmer uh, and the leadership? And how do you feel about, you know, where Labour has gone from, you know, obviously what was a, a crushing defeat in 2019 to, to where you are today? So I think that the Labour Party's come a long way since that general election in 2019. And I think that's really important to remember. But I have no doubt in my mind the scale of the challenge that we face as a party, but also as a country. And we we have a responsibility to these people. Um, we've got to do better than we are right now. Um, but I think we're, I do think we're making progress. I think it's interesting because, you know, obviously Hertfordshire isn't what you would call, um, you know, it's not part of what I suppose they call the Red Wall. It is a, it's a true blue Tory area. Um, but you did unseat a Tory councillor in Letchworth North. Um, how did that feel, you know, taking that seat from the Conservatives in what was for Labour a, a mixed bag set of elections across the country? It was certainly a very difficult election, again, I think, for the party. Um, for me and my community, it's been about rebuilding trust Um and like I said, we've got a long way to go on that. So my predecessor held the Letchworth North seat by um, 2%. Uh, I think it was 107 votes. Mm. Um, and I regained the seat for Labour because we did previously hold it um, with 46 votes, which is 1%. It, it felt it felt like a really big deal. It felt like a really important moment for me coming from where I've come from. And I think as well, it's, it's given me this great opportunity to champion my community. But I think, I think on a personal level, um, there's been, there's been a lot of barriers to me getting here and there continues to be a lot of barriers. And I think politics can be filled with gatekeeping. Um, mm. So there was a real moment of pride in that. I really couldn't believe it. I I left the um, place where the election count was held and just walked out and was like, hold on a minute, what? You had to <laughs> um, take, take was, a minute and sort yeah, of catch your breath. Yeah, you, you do. Um, it's, it's amazing. And we we did have some amazing wins um, for Labour in other parts of the county, most no notably Boreham Wood, but yeah. certainly we had, there were other places where it was very difficult and I was really sorry to see that there were a number of amazing councillors who lost their seat. I want to come back on a point you, you mentioned about barriers, um, because obviously when we talk about 
you know, you being the youngest uh, county councillor that Hearts County Council ever had. Um, obviously, it's a huge success and it's, it's I think it's really important for young people, but there's got to be obstacles there. Would you say, you know, there are different obstacles for you as, you know, a young councillor that there might be for other new councillors, whether they, you know, be in the opposition or in the in the administration? On being a newer councillor, I think it's like anything else when you're coming in and you're new, there's a lot to learn, there's existing relationships. Um, but I do think it's difficult as a young person because I think there's a lot of stigma about what we're actually like and what our interests might be. So a good example of this would be, um, so I was, I was at an event recently where somebody said that they didn't feel that it was a youth organised event, but somebody said that they felt that there were specifically young people's issues and that something like pensions didn't fit into that. Um, and I'd, I'd really challenge that because I don't think there are in particular young people's issues. I do think there's some things that affect some groups more than others, but I do think on something like pensions, it is something that we're all concerned about. And an example of kind of how I'm taking that forward and what might be unexpected is that I'm involved with planning at the county council and that's that future proofing and, you know, looking ahead is really important. Obviously, um, you know, as you say, you're, you're the spokesperson for the environment. Um, and I'm trying not to use the word youth issues now, um, but obviously you are the spokesperson for the environment and an issue that young people are really concerned about um, is the environment, is the climate crisis. Um, you know, we've had a number of uh, protests and demonstrations in Hertfordshire. I think that both of us have been involved in as well. Um, do you feel that, you know, being a younger county councillor and when you have issues like this that young people really are concerned about, there's a little bit more responsibility there. And do you feel like on issues like this and others, you are sort of a voice for young people as well as a voice for, for residents, sort of, a you know, wearing two hats there, possibly? I think that, I mean, from the outset, I'd say I think I wear quite a lot of hats. Um, mm. But you are right, because... It is our future and yes to the many, many climate protests in a whole multitude of weathers, including mm. one that I was involved with in Stevenage, um, where I gave a speech that ended up on the BBC. Um, mm. I do think for me on environment, the where we need to get to is communities being able to and wanting to take ownership of the green agenda in their local area. And mm -hmm. we're really lucky in Hertfordshire to have so many groups doing this. I've seen a lot um, in the way of encouraging businesses to go green, and I've been involved with um, really pioneering that in the local community and voluntary sector as well. Mm. I think it's interesting, you know, we are lucky, you're absolutely right. Um, and I think there are a real, you know, I remember in Hartford, you had a, um, a sort of reuse, recycle and reuse shop. I think there's one or two of those in Ware, which is nearby. Um, you've got a very diverse community in, in Hartford and Hertfordshire when it comes to these kinds of issues. Um, so I absolutely agree. And communities taking ownership of these things, I think, is really important. If you look at Harlow, um, I remember a few years ago, before the council changed hands, um, there was sort of a community tree planting project, um, which, you know, I think far surpassed its target. And I thought it was fantastic. I'd love to see something like that in East Hearts and in Hertfordshire. Um, and it's, you know, things like this, planting trees as a community, taking action in the community, um, whatever it may be that I think is really important. Obviously, Unite is a community radio station. Um, we really believe in, you know, bringing the community together. Do you think it's, you know, not just important, but possible to bring people together and do these things? Um, I suppose when there's so many issues facing, so obviously the coronavirus pandemic has sort of conspired to keep people apart. But would you agree that there's been a real sense of people coming together over the past 18 months? 
Um, it's funny that you mentioned trees, actually, and tree planting, mm. because Hertfordshire County Council will be establishing 1.2 million trees in the county. Um, that's one per um, person in Hertfordshire, which is really, really exciting. And I'd encourage everybody to get involved with that. So on the communities coming together, um, as I said, my history of voluntary work has meant that I've seen directly the massive effort from our local community and voluntary sector. And I've seen that especially over COVID-19. There's been a lot in the way of emergency response. And I have a huge admiration for the way in which the community have come together and kept us all going throughout. Um, but I want to bring this back to Letchworth for a minute, because one of the many, many reasons that I love Letchworth is that we've got this unique history of bringing people together from all sorts of backgrounds and places. And I think that's really important and really makes the community that I represent. I think, you know, obviously, and we've talked about this before, um, Unite is, well, the clue is in the name, isn't it? Um, it's about bringing people together. And part of the reason I really wanted to get involved with the with the station was because it is about fostering this sense of people coming together um, over the past 18 months throughout the coronavirus pandemic and, and giving back and supporting the community as well, which I think is really important. Um, I don't think, and I'm sure you'll probably agree with me on this, Tina, I, do, I don't think we can go back to where we were before if that makes sense, you know, before the pandemic, um, I think we have to go forward in a different way and it has to be about supporting one another. It has to be about bringing the community together. It has to be about sort of taking action, you know, with consideration for the people around you and consideration for your community. And I think it offers a really positive way forward, um, you know, on issues like the environment, but, you know, in terms of supporting the local economy, which has obviously been knocked back and forth by, um, you know, changing restrictions, changing lockdowns, things like that, um, supporting local people who may be struggling as a result of the pandemic. We've seen, you know, the numbers of young people uh, requiring free school meals, you know, absolutely shooting up rates of child poverty, especially in East Hearts have jumped up considerably over the past few years. Um would you agree, I suppose, is my question. Um, and I would I would hope you would. Knowing you as well as I do, I think you probably do. But, but what do you think? I think we're absolutely on the same page there. I don't believe in business as usual, well, at all, really. And I've said as much in the council chamber. I want to see a county that's prosperous, caring and socially just and a country that works for everybody. On the holiday hunger and child poverty front, I've, so I've been vocal against the cuts to education that have been taking place since the beginning of austerity and this chronic underfunding that we see. I was, I was on the front line um, outside Downing Street when Theresa May was Prime Minister, um, calling out the issues we had with school resourcing and their abilities to stay open um, five days a week um, on the holiday hunger. This is something that I experienced personally and have been quite open about um, alongside um, a lot of struggles around how expensive school uniform was, school trips, all of these things are so, so costly. Um, and on holiday hunger, prior to becoming a county councillor, I set up the Hertfordshire Against Holiday Hunger campaign um, really to be able to share resources. And that was an example of the community coming together, of businesses stepping up. Um, and I said, I said it in the chamber the other day, actually. Um, it, was, it was businesses and the charity sector and our local community that led. And that's really important um as part of that i also petitioned the county council so that was hmm. another bit of lobbying experience um that i then had but all of those things are really close to my heart and that's why 
one of my election pledges was to ensure that as many pupils um, as possible that are entitled to free school meals take up the provision and that families are aware of healthy start provision too. I'm going to jump in quickly and say on the topic of children, I think I think you've got some playing outside of your house because I can hear them in the background, um, which I think yeah, is one of, the, so. one of the struggles when you are um, recording uh, things over Zoom, which is what we're doing. Um, but there we go. Can't be helped. As long as they're outside enjoying themselves, it's, it's nice and sunny today. Um, I do remember really clearly that the Hopshire Against Holiday Hunger group um, and, you know, I've talked about and campaigned about these kinds of issues in in my part of Hertfordshire as well. Um, obviously, there was a motion, a motion to county council recently on school uniform um, and on, you know, sort of supporting families and children with the cost of school uniform. Um, and that was at the full council on the 20th of July, I think. Can you tell us a bit about that as well? Because I'm, I'm, I'm really interested. Um, already we've got back to school stuff I can see in shops and things like that. And I feel like we've only just broken up. Um, what do you think about, you know, the impact of the cost of school uniform, um, the support from the county council? Tell us a bit about the motion that you put forward um, on the county council as well and, and where it's, where it's going to go from there. So we recognised the cost um, of school uniform, which is huge. In fact, it can be in excess of £350. Um, and we were really calling on the council to write to hedge teachers to urge them to keep the costs down, um, to not have so many changes in school uniform um, and to for the council to acknowledge and write to the Secretary of State to let them know about the struggles that people are facing and to adequately fund education so that schools don't have to rely on this as a source of funding. So as you say, um, term has ended and parents are starting to kit their children out with uniforms, sports gear, other equipment for the next academic year. Um, it's, I think it's really tough. And as I said, I had a really difficult time with it growing up. And that, and that was in a very different context to the one we find ourselves in. And I said that, that I think we need to make these allowances, not just because they should have happened before, because I believe they should have, but because in this situation that we're in, I don't really see what other way there is um so we also we included um things like being able to sew on logos rather than um purchasing the ones with the logos already on them um, and the example that i gave was that so at secondary school my skirt alone costs 26 pounds and upwards of 26 pounds and that mm. the um the design changed twice whilst I was there. Um, we also recognised that actually um, there is no competition in this mm. particular market for school uniform. Um, but the reason that that's bad is that you can just raise the price. And I know from speaking to um, parents and teachers that some people feel that that's done on purpose. Um, or at least it allows for it allows for some children to be left out. And I've had a great opportunity in terms of education. As I said, I'm the first in my family to have any qualifications at all. And now I'm at uni and I want to see that opportunity given to other children and young people. And I think that if we're going to be the county of opportunity, um, which is what they say we are, we mm. need to have that opportunity for everybody. Yes, we are. Hertfordshire is the county of opportunity. Um, and I think it's an interesting point. Um, you know, giving young people that opportunity is absolutely vital. Um, you know, I remember when I was at school, um, secondary school, you know, you, you did have a change of uniform towards uh, when you got to sort of year 10, year 11, and you had to have your house tie, um, one set of 
kit for PE, one set of kit for games, um, neither of which I particularly enjoyed. I'm terrible at sport, but it has an impact. These things cost money. You know, you're talking about different sets of kit. Then you've got to go and get gum shields for rugby, football boots for football. Um, and aside from that, pens and books and things like that, it has an impact. Um, I want to come back to something I mentioned earlier because there was a really, and it came from a motion, I would think, originally by the Hertfordshire Labour Group on child poverty in Hertfordshire. But when I looked at the figures, I was particularly interested to see a marked increase in child poverty rates in the district of East Hearts, um, which is obviously a real concern. It's something I'm really concerned about. Um, what kind of action do you think we need to take? Obviously, we've talked about free school meals, support from the county on school uniform. What kind of action would you like to see taken to support young people? I think one of the things that I would say from the outset is things really, really didn't have to go this way. And actually, under the last Labour government, child poverty was being tackled and we wouldn't have been where we are today. Um, on changes, I'd like to see, um, and I, I experienced this because I'm a private renter, um, and I've, I've never lived in a house that has been owned by family. I think that, I think that housing costs um, go a long way to depleting household finances, um, and the cost of that makes it really difficult to raise children. I think, I think as well, there's, so there's, there is a growing number of children in the country who um, are growing up in temporary accommodation, bed and breakfasts, um, families relying on food banks. Um, and that's the thing, right? Because there are families out there working, um, working families sometimes you know parents who have two or three jobs and their kids are still turning up to school too hungry to learn I think that's I think that's disgraceful and I don't think that I don't think the leveling up will mm. actually get the investment where it needs to go um it's about I think again jobs like we we need to be making more opportunities for jobs um, and I think as well I, I know that so the government's own social mobility commission um, has previously warned that it's the government's policies that are pushing children into poverty um, it doesn't help that our elected representatives and you know people we trust in positions of power take a certain view on certain issues like benefits um in particular there's the certain view of universal credit certainly mm. i've been on universal credit in the past and told that i'm never going to be able to get out of it it's just it's just wildly inappropriate um there are things um like not cancelling the 20 pound uplift to mm. universal credit um it's just there's well, so think, many. There's so many things we've got to, we've got to throw our weight behind making sure there's no child left behind. I don't think we're doing that. It makes me really sad. Obviously, at the moment, you know, we talk about all these issues. We talk about government policy. At the moment, Boris Johnson um, is making a big push on policing and safe communities. Um, you know, obviously, Keir Starmer, the Labour Party, making a similar campaign over the summer. Um, and we're talking at the same time about a 150 million to potentially 250 million pound royal yacht uh, paid for by, well, by the government with taxpayer money. Um, do you not? Do you feel this is, you know, diametrically opposed to all the things we're talking about? Spending this money on a yacht as opposed to taking action on these issues that really impact people's lives. I think that amount of money on, well, anything like that, let alone a yacht, shows how incredibly detached this government is from the community. Um, I think that on the policing point, 
I do support more policing. I think that's really important. Um, done a lot of work around violence against women and girls, which is, again, something from my childhood and experience growing up that I've got a real passion for. I think that I think that that is really important, but I think that this government hasn't really thought it through on safer communities. I don't think that they've, I don't think they've really got a handle on what people's lived experiences are. When I really wish they'd invest more money in finding those out and taking meaningful action um, rather than you know, redecorating a flat or purchasing a yacht or whatever's next, really. And I think, you know, a lot of these issues as well come back to, you know, money and money spent throughout the coronavirus pandemic. Um, and so I, I, you know, I do think even as we come out of lockdown, even as we come out of, you know, restrictions, um, the coronavirus pandemic will cast sort of a long shadow, if that makes sense. Um, and it will have an impact as we go forward, which is why, you know, as we said earlier, you know, we have to focus on bringing communities together and, and rebuilding our communities that way. Um, but I wanted to ask as well, obviously, you not only became a councillor, but had to campaign to become one um, during the coronavirus pandemic, um, particularly when restrictions were sort of up and down, changing around quite regularly. I wanted to sort of ask you what that was like and, and how that sort of felt, how it shaped your experience becoming a counsellor as well. So first of all, um, on the economy, I think it's, it's important to recognise the real lack of support for um, those who are self-employed and um, those who work freelance. So I want to see, I think the way to restore the economy and to ensure that it thrives is using fairness, inclusion and partnership across the public, private and charity sectors. Um, and I think that's the quickest and best way of doing it. But like you say, it is, it's not something that's going to happen quickly. Um, and that's why all of these campaigns to restore our high streets and shop local um, and support local are so, so important. And that's something that I'm a big champion of in my community. Um, mm. In terms of, right, so becoming a counsellor during the pandemic has been a very bizarre experience. Um, I've been experiencing restrictions easing whilst we're still socially distanced, unable to be in the council chamber, we've been meeting at the Gordon Craig Theatre in Stevenage. Um, I, think, I think ultimately what's really telling about that experience um, more than anything is the photograph that I think you've seen, Josh, of mm. me in the chamber with these um, signs on seats either side of me. Um, that oh, yeah, say I that we're socially this. distanced and you can't sit here. Um, mm. I think that encapsulates what the experience is. Sort so of sums it up. Yeah, in terms of the in terms of the campaign, um, it was certainly it was bizarre. Um, I've never campaigned in the way that we had to um, in this election. Um, there was a lot. Of, there was a lot of focus on phone canvassing rather than door knocking, um, but we did do that once we felt it was safe to do so, and we were allowed. Um, it was a real mix of things, but I think that I think that people, both on the phones and on the doors, were really glad to see us, um, and in fact, really glad to see well anybody because I think that loneliness during this pandemic is something that's also skyrocketed um and it's really important that we all reach out and support each other so i've you know i've been in lockdown um, by myself i've had health issues over the time of the pandemic um it is really really difficult mm. 
And I think I, that's something we need to, again, think about. I think, again, it comes back to this, you know, this point. Lockdown did have an effect on everybody, um, you know, including yourself. I think it comes back to this point that we talked about earlier. Um, mutual aid groups, uh, as an example, you know, reaching out to your neighbours, supporting people around you. Um, I really feel that the pandemic, which was obviously terrible and is terrible, um, did foster a real sense of community that I don't think we've seen in in, in certain areas in years. I, in fact, I feel, you know, that bringing the community together is so, so important because over the last couple of decades, we've really sort of struggled to maintain a sense of what a community is uh, across the country. So I think that the pandemic has sort of helped to bring people together, to get people to support one another um, and to bring everyone together in a new sense of community as well. Um, and so this is why I think it's so important that going forward, we don't lose that. We have to maintain it. We have to keep bringing people together and, and, I think when people do work together, when people are together as a community, it makes where you live more vibrant, more enjoyable um, and better for everyone. And so I really want to see that carried forward, you know, going on from here. Um, and I think, you know, there's ways that you as a county councillor and the county council have to do it. There's ways that, you know, myself on you know on on unite having this platform uh should do it and of course you know people just in the community smiling at someone as you go down the street saying thank you if someone holds a door for you um you know these things are really really important um so tina i want to come back to something we talked about before um about being a young person in politics and i think when we talk about you when we talk about the amazing work that you're doing you know a real selling point here is you are a young person you're an interesting person you've got a very unique lived experience and you've got a very sort of interesting perspective on things um we talked earlier about challenges you know obstacles for young people in politics how do you overcome those um and, and, and how would you, you know, say to young people who might be listening, who might be interested in being involved in politics, you know, how can you help them to overcome challenges as well? Um, so to start off with, I think that I think that what's unique about me isn't my lived experience. It's um, it's actually just what I'm doing. I think the experiences that I have are quite common. I think that sometimes um young people are left out of the discussion about these experiences because people don't realise the impact it has. And I also think we really need to highlight how important and vital and formative those early years are um, in how you think, who you go on to become, because they are really important. And that's one of the areas I'd like to see investment in, actually. Um, I think in terms of my experience, I've been really clear from the get-go that I want to be really honest about where I've come from, the things that I'm experiencing. I want to be authentic in everything that I do. Um, and I think that for some people, when they see me being really honest, so the other day I said um, that being a young person in politics is hard. And I think a lot of people's reaction to that was... Um, very much one of kind of confusion or questioning um, or kind of wondering why I'd want to share that. But the reason I want to share it is because I'm not one to shy away from the truth and I'm not one to not rise to a challenge. Um, so I would say to young people listening, look, it, it is really, really difficult, but we need more people like you. In fact, if you think you can't do it, you should be. Those are the people that we need in mm. government. Those are the people that we need representing our communities. And actually, everybody's got something to give. We're all skilled and talented to have these experiences um, and just a multitude of things that make us up, right? So I'm not just a county councillor, um, but I and the other thing that I do is I'm always willing to put myself out there and speak to young people about getting involved um whether that's they want to get involved in a political party they want to stand for election they want to lobby 
um, they want to get involved in a pressure group, the community group. I've encouraged young trustees. Um, I think that community involvement is really important. And I think that it is something that young people are really, really keen on. And you think it's important that young people are involved in politics, I take it? So I do think that young people being involved in politics is something that's really important. Um, right at the start, we talked about me being the youngest ever councillor elected at 19. Um, what I would like to see more than anything, really, as an impact of that is actually for somebody younger to come through. Um, I don't want to be the only councillor of my age. Well, I think it's it's interesting um you know young people have very unique perspective and i think there's a a discussion to be had about you know councillors being of a certain age generally um young people do have this unique perspective they are an important part of their communities um especially on things like youth services um youth centers things like that um i think as well i think hmm. i think um also education for example and that's mm. because you've got a more recent experience of it and I also think that um, on everything that a more diverse set of voices um, and a more representative authority leads to better decision making and that builds stronger communities and that's what I want to see want to see Hertfordshire thriving Fantastic. I like that a lot. Um, I want to turn next briefly um, to talk about the vaccine programme in Hertfordshire. Um, obviously, we're seeing restrictions um, lifted. We're seeing people back to work, town centres reopening. Um, you know, the schools are broken up for the summer. I've had my first jab, um, which I was really, really happy to have. I had it at the uh, sort of pop-up vaccine centre at the brewery in Hertford. Um you know, I think it's fantastic seeing people getting vaccinated. What do you think about the local vaccine program? And and are you as happy as I am that, you know, we're seeing so many people getting vaccinated in our community? So I'm absolutely delighted. What we're also seeing in Letchworth is an uptake um, of people who are taking these home testing kits and mm. regularly testing, which is also really important. So I was vaccinated with the Moderna vaccine at Robertson House in Stevenage um, and very grateful to the volunteers there and everybody that's been involved with the vaccine rollout. Um, on the vaccination programme, I've been active as a COVID-19 information champion and mm -hmm. What that means is distributing information about the pandemic, um, the vaccinations, um, where they are, when they are, um, who's eligible, um, and dispelling some of the myths around it, really. Um, and I did that because, as I said earlier, um, it's about those, I think, traditionally hard to reach communities. Mm. We need to bring everybody together. Um, I think that it's really important as many people as possible get vaccinated. I absolutely agree. And I'm, I'm really glad to see people um, getting vaccinated. If you have not been vaccinated yet, but are eligible to do so, I would encourage you to. Um, and, you know, a big thanks to everyone in the community that's making sure they get vaccinated, playing their part and making sure that we are staying safe uh, in East Hearts and Hertfordshire. Um, we're starting to come towards um, the end of the, of the show. Um, Tina, I want to ask you a bit about your plans for the future. I know at the moment you are running for the Open Labour National Committee, which is obviously, um, you know, a group within the Labour Party. Um, tell us a bit about that. Tell us about what you're thinking there. And, you know, tell us what you're up to. So I am running for an open place on the Open Labour National Committee. Open Labour is something that I've been involved with for a couple of years now and I'm standing to empower members, champion our candidates and influence policy. I think it's really important that we take our party forward um, and I think that this is one of the steps we need to take to doing that. In terms of future plans, um, 
I am about to go into my second year of politics and international relations at university, which I am really, really excited about. I'm mm. really, really excited to be representing my community in Letchworth North for the next four years. Um, and there's there's so many things that I want to do. So my priorities are road safety, the environment, um, work around waste management, as I said earlier, um, increasing uptake of free school meals and addressing the issues we've got with street lighting, um, uh, which links into my passion for a wider Vogue strategy, um, which is also something that I'm working on. Fantastic. And obviously somewhere in there, you're going to be coming back on our show as well. Absolutely. I'm more than happy to do this. I've really enjoyed it. That's exactly what we like to hear. As many times we can get you on, it's fantastic. You know, obviously the youngest uh, county council elected to Hertfordshire County Council, um, making a real difference in our community, you know, been involved in campaigns across Hertfordshire. Um, It's always fantastic to talk to you. It's always fantastic to um, have you uh, tell us about the work that you're doing as well. So Tina, I'm going to, I'm going to leave it there for now because we're right at the end of the show, but thank you so much for taking part. It's been really fantastic to talk to you. Thank you so much for having me. So that's the end of the first show, Real Talk with Josh Dean on Unite Radio. Um, it was really fantastic to sit down and talk to Tina about being the youngest county councillor on Hertfordshire County Council, um, about the coronavirus pandemic, about how we can fulfil our mission here at Unite and bring communities together, um, and on her experience as a young person in politics and how young people can get involved as well. I hope you enjoyed the show. I really enjoyed being able to interview Tina. She's not just a really great friend, but a really inspiring figure in our community in Hertfordshire. If you want to get involved in the show in future, you can get in touch. Josh at uniteradio.co.uk. Drop me an email. I'd love to hear from you. Are you a local person? Are you a local business owner? Are you a local person running a charity or involved in some other kind of organisation? We can help to showcase the work that you're doing to make East Hearts a better place. I'd love to sit down and have a chat with you. Don't hesitate to drop me an email. Make sure you keep listening to Unite Radio, not just my show, which is going to be at the same time, on the same day, once a month, but also to the other fantastic shows that are on the air with Unite Radio at the moment as well. Um, If you have any questions in the meantime, if there's anything else you need from me, you've got my email address or you can find us at Unite Radio UK on social media. But that's all for now. That's all for this month. I'm looking forward to being out in the community again soon. I'm looking forward to speaking to some of you and I'm looking forward to being back on air next month. Thank you very much and don't forget to tune in again.